Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to FixNation.com, and for those of us joining us uh, for the first time, welcome aboard. Oh, tonight, tonight, going to talk foreign policy a little bit. Had a really interesting last couple of days on this world. Um, I don't say that in a good way because some of it's tragedy, but it makes for really interesting thought. Um, first off, let's get a little background. We're talking about coming out of eight years of Obama, who is definitely a globalist, he has more of a globalist take on life on agenda for America and what her future is. We just elected a uh, president-elect, Donald Trump, who is not a globalist, more of a nationalist, more of a protectionist-populist combination. Um, but we come from a long line of globalists, to be quite honest. That's bipartisan. Um, I would say Bush falls in that camp, Clinton falls in that clamp. In, the, in that camp, um, first Bush falls in that camp. Back until Reagan, we probably haven't had someone who was more of a an exceptionalism type president, which makes what's played out in the last couple of days more impactful. Um, I will say this: I have not been real pleased with the last eight years and what I've referred to as the wussification of America. Um, I think our military would agree with me on that front, where the the message is not clear, the mission is not clear, it isn't defined or empowered, it is limited, it's bureaucratic, it's 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 vague, um, it's it's futile and frustrating. If you're in the intelligence community, I think that also that case could be made. There aren't a lot of real strong bold moments in the last eight years. Um, you end up with Syria as an easy example, where the president draws a line in the sand, and of course the Syrians cross that line, and well, don't make, don't make me tell you again, diplomacy, you know, plays out. Um, Russia and the Ukraine, you know, they invaded another country, and we just use diplomacy. Um, there are a lot of ills, issues, on a foreign policy front right now. And if I went back a week on my Twitter timeline, I could probably rapid-fire a list and probably put in order of perspective what I think those should have been. And after the last couple of days, that, that just got just like just tossed up in the air. And so what I mean with the last couple of days? Let's just make a list. Okay. So I think it was yesterday the Chinese intercepted a drone in the South Sea. Okay. So they took something that wasn't theirs. And, of course, there's a little to-do about it. Okay. Then we have today, where you have the assassination of the Russian ambassador to Turkey in Turkey, shot by none other than a Turkish riot policeman. Okay. Who refers, during all this process, to Aleppo, Syria, and that situation. 
followed very shortly, as this is playing out in real time, by a shooting in Zurich, Switzerland, at a mosque up there, followed shortly by Berlin, Germany, a truck runs into a crowd at a Christmas market and kills 12 people, puts 48 more in injured in the hospital. Okay. Why does this speak to us right now? What is, what's the point of this? The point, the point is it's become so time critical. I would have made the case before that foreign policy, one, we have chaos across the world on a lot of fronts. We have multiple hotspots. And for lack of a better word, the current administration doesn't have a foreign policy to speak of. It doesn't have a mission. It doesn't have a game plan. It doesn't have an impactful, solution-oriented endgame. It just is. And that's really sad, because that's not what true leadership is. That's sad. And I'll be glad when it's over. And I think I'm looking forward to what I believe to be a more representative, strong leadership for the number one superpower on the planet. I think that will be refreshing for us. I hope you remember what that looks like. Because quite honestly, it might come across as a little bit of a shock to the system because we haven't seen strong leadership in a while. We haven't seen people be decisive. We haven't seen people be be bold and clear and speak what they mean. And when when you say what you mean and when you do what you say, countries tend to look at you as being stronger and consistent and fair and they will respect that we've lost that in the last oh we'll call it a decade or so we are just this oh wishy-washy thing that used to be a superpower and I say used to in air quotes because it's not we used to be we still are but we don't act like it And I've made this case before. Being a superpower has a wonderful power because you are the big kid on the playground. But you also have to approach it with a little bit of compassion. Because when you're the big kid on the playground, one of your roles needs to be to kind of take care of the little kids on the playground. And make sure they don't get hurt, but they also fall in line. Right? That's part of what leadership is. It's not you get everything you want. It is you need, they need to understand who they're dealing with, and there's a respect factor worked into the equation somewhere. Weakness does not get rewarded. That being said, let's kind of walk through some of these situations because they're really interesting. When Trump made, or I should say made the phone, when he took the phone call, from the president of Taiwan. Now, Taiwan, in China's view, is still part of China. To everybody who's not delusional, it's a separate country. Country Has been for decades. 
It has its own president. It has its own government and structure and economy. Yet China has a one-China rule. They just won't accept the fact of what is because that's what works for them. So they were very upset that he even took the phone call. Now, if you're someone like President Obama, you apologize for that because you don't want to offend. That's a talking point about what I'm referring to about the wussification of America. Donald Trump takes a phone call and says, who are they to tell me who I can take a phone call from or not? Ooh, wow. Think about that. Boy, the rules changed, China. Did you get the message? And that's not the only time he's done something like this. Just a couple days ago, yesterday, they picked up the drone in the South China Sea. You know what happens? He's like, ah, keep it. Translation, I'm not going to give you more respect or power, okay, over a little fish in a big pond. What does Obama do? Oh, we want that back. We need that back. You know, it's bluster. And, of course, they play him like a fiddle. It'll be very curious, once Donald Trump gets into office, what tactics he takes, particularly with China. But I will say this. I would have said China would be, would be up toward the top of his list. I'm not sure if it can be anymore. And we'll get there in a minute. Let's deal with something like the truck situation in Germany, in Berlin. Now, unfortunately, this has become all, all too common. Lone wolf, soft target, a means, whether it be a gun or a knife or an axe or a machete or a car or a truck, these are not explosive devices. These are not airplanes against high-rises. These are typical things in life. You can't just say we're not going to have knives. We're not going to have guns. We're not going to have cars. You can't stop these things, which makes them so very, very difficult to combat on a micro level. The German uh, intelligence actually had knowledge that there was a threat toward a Christmas market in their country. They had about a week notice on this. Here's the problem. There are a bunch of markets, and they couldn't define how or where. And you can't just say, stop Christmas. That's like saying, don't breathe. At best, it's a temporary pause, but eventually, you've got to let that air back in your body. You've got to start Christmas skin. You have to start moving on with life. Because part of the battle we fight, which is the bigger battle, is we can't live in fear. You can't just after 9-11, and I live in New York, you can't just after 9-11 shut down, curl up in the fetal position in the closet, and not try. You have to walk back out on that street, go back in the city, and go on with life. You have to drive to work. You have to do what it is, whatever it is you do, and do it to the best of your ability. And you have to not think about the horrifying experience that has happened. You can't let that impact you overwhelmingly. It 
sure might scar your heart and your mind. It might never leave your body. I will never forget the moment. But make bank on this. You can't live in fear all your life. You can't do it. They win if that's true. So that's the battle we have to be stronger than, and we will be. So if you're in Germany, and even though you have a week's notice, you don't know where, you don't know how, so you can't defend against it. And just like over in Nice in France, what happens? Here comes this truck, goes through a crowd, 12 dead, 48 in the hospital. How do you stop that? How do you get in front of a truck? You can't put up barriers across everything, always, all the time. And if you did, they'd find another way. It would be a knife. It would be an axe, something you can't track. Well, then you go inside between metal detectors. Okay, but then you use a cop, you know, like in Turkey, that's a, a part of the riot police, you know, and get them in that way. You can't fix everything. You try to minimize the damage, unfortunately, as best you can, and stay ahead of the curve as best you can. There's not a lot of information about the Zerg situation, Zerg situation yet. I'm going to pause on that. But it was around a mosque, and that always triggers people. Because the truck driver, early word is, he was Somalian. Let's just put that piece in there. And then go back to Turkey for a second. So you have a reference to Aleppo and Syria, and speaking Arabic as well as Turkey in his tirade while he shot eight or nine bullets into the Russian ambassador. You have a Muslim mosque up in Zurich as a part of a shooting. More to be coming out about that, I'm sure. And you have a Somalian refugee drive a truck into a crowd of Christians in Germany. All within, hmm, I'm going to say an eight-hour period, six-hour period. Now, I want you to take a small step back if you're me, because this is one of the questions I asked. And I, for the record, am not a conspiracy theorist. I could be if I wanted to. I really don't choose to. I think life sometimes just deals your really bad hands. But today, I asked a question. Let's take all three of those and pretend it's a coincidence. It's also a coincidence on the very day that the Electoral College confirms Donald Trump as the president-elect. So my question was, are they all related? Could they all be related? I don't think they are. But it begged being asked, and I was waiting for, of course, the next shoe to drop, unfortunately, and that's kind of the, the world we live in, the new normal we live in, is, well, was there another event about ready to drop? Was there another country ordeal that's about to play out? Like, was the list longer than three? Thankfully, no. But were they related? Because think about it this way. If... Hillary gets elected. I don't think they have a lot to be concerned about. She's a globalist. She's a talker. She's an Obama. There's not a lot of threat or meat on the bone if you're her. That's just not how she's built. 
She's not a warmonger. She's not a she's not someone who carries a big stick. She wants to work it out. Okay. Trump's not built that way. Trump likes to win. And he likes to come from a hand of strength. And he certainly has proven he's a strategic thinker. And he's a lot brighter than people give him credit for. And if you combine those qualities, it'll be very interesting how he approaches his foreign policy. And we're going to get to the future right now. Because the future has a lot of hot spots all over the world because on a foreign policy basis, he's being tossed a really crappy hand right now. Okay, let's just rattle off a list because it's pretty simple. You have Duarte in the Philippines that's about to kick us out because he's losing his mind. Turkey has literally shut the power off to our military base there, which is the staging route for the Middle East, by the way. It's that much of a strategic foothold. And even though they are a NATO member since 1945, we don't have our best relations with them, especially because of the recent coup that Erdogan had to fend off. I think he thinks we had a hand in that, and I'm not sure if we can overcome that. I'm sure the current administration definitely can't overcome that. But we do have a a benefit because Russia has been working with Syria in Aleppo. Here's the problem. Russia and Turkey don't get along, ever. But Turkey's leveraging Russia against us. So we have some work to do in Turkey. And we also, by the way, just admittedly, we have a strategic need for Turkey. We can, we can poo-poo that all we want, but Turkey and Egypt are our two main rocks in that main region. They are the, quote-unquote, civilized, larger nations that we can work through to get a better Middle East outcome. I don't mean we have to do it. I do mean we need their leadership to pull some weight We need the military base in Turkey to stage if we want to do something in the Middle East and fend off other issues. Turkey is also a gateway from the Middle East up to Europe. They can't get there without it. It's it's the only landlocked passageway. So a lot of different things that Turkey has significance for us. Put that aside for a second. We obviously have Syria and the mass civil war of 100,000 plus that have been slaughtered in the last six years. Extension. We have the entire Middle East is basically on fire right now. Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. Keep going. Toss in Libya. Egypt's unstable right now. There's just not a lot of good news to go around. That entire region. Okay. So we have the Philippines, we have Syria, we have the Middle East, we have Turkey. The Ukraine situation, forget about that one. You know when Russia went and just kind of took a country that no one ever said poo about? Yeah. What about China? They're building a man-made island. Their uh, militarization of the island is going on as we speak. And they pick up a drone of ours on a whim because there is no repercussion. 
while they tell us not to talk to Taiwan, while they make friends with the Philippines. And here's the kicker. Trump doesn't want the TPP, and that's fine. But I got a tip for you. There are a lot of nations in Asia that want that deal done. And if we don't do that deal, that gives China an opening to step in with those very countries. So we can say no all we want, but how we say no is critical. Because our denial of a treaty should no, uh, 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 trade deal should not necessarily be China's gain. That doesn't have. That's not. They're not necessarily connected unless we make them connected. I'm going to stop there. That's a boatload. Oh, you know what? Let's toss in Cuba. You know that one that we're opening the door to. You know now that he's arresting distance again and lawyers and journalists. Yeah, since they've changed nothing. So you kind of get my point, right? That's the melting pot of the world, and it's all over the map, and it's n- almost all of them aren't connected to each other, and all of them are highly complex issues. So when Trump and company take office January 20th, it will be very curious which ones they take on first and why, and how they address these critical. The timing is critical. So I will say this. He's amassing a dream team around him, whether it be Tillerson, whether it be Mattis, whether it be Kelly, whether no matter who these people are that he puts around him, they better bring their A-games on day one because they're going to have some work cut out for them. And I don't think what happened today, meaning this cluster is a unique uh, scenario. I don't think, oh, well, now it just quiets down and nothing happens all the way through January. That would just really surprise me. The more often they happen, the more apt they are to happen. That's become our new normal. There was a time during the election, or probably during the campaign, rather, where we had, I want to say, an event a day for about a week. I want to say it was in September, something like that. And just hit, the hits just keep, kept on coming. And you kind of looked at each other and said, you're kidding me, right? What's going to happen next? And sure enough, the next day something happened. Now, I don't think we have to get into that kind of an expectation level. But at no point can we just sit here on our laurels and say, oh, you know what, we're good. No, we're not good. We haven't been good for a very long time. Time we dealt with the realities of what we have on this planet. The world isn't right. And a lot of people are going to get hurt or die for the wrong reason because we want to be politically correct. I don't want us hunting the wrong people. But I got a tip for you. If the choice is take the fight to them or wait to be slaughtered, I don't think there's a choice. If the, if the belief is what we have doesn't work but do more of the same, that's Einstein's law of insanity. So you try something new. 
You change the dynamic. You spin the table. And I think that's what's coming. I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. I think respect to different people is garnered in different ways. It's like dating a woman. Some women respect a man with manners. Some women respect a man with Neanderthal strength. That's not the same thing. Still, to each his own, and a million other variations, by the way. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So the trick is finding out what works for each country slash leader slash philosophy we're dealing with. What we do with the Philippines is not necessarily how we should handle Russia, nor how we should deal with China, nor how we should enter into talks with Turkey or Syria or anyone in the Middle East. They all have different situational issues. But the timing of it can't wait. We need to deal with these and start getting our list to be shorter and getting our, I'll call it our ducks back in a row. It, it, it used to be with the Philippines, since World War II, were completely unified with us. Turkey, since World War II, unified with us. What did we do in the last 10 years to screw up great relations with allies? What did we do in the last 10 years just blatantly look away when Ukraine gets invaded by Russia? At what point does China get to create, you know, an island against international law? International law says they are wrong. They deny international law. And our complete response is to do nothing. Good luck with that. So I will be looking forward to January 20th. I'm looking forward to a, I'll call it a new sheriff in town, a new set of eyes, a new, a new thought process, a different style of leadership, if you will. But again, it goes back to today. Are they connected? Are they related? Was this part of a bigger picture? Here's another curveball question. Who benefits? Do you think Russia was behind the policeman that shot their own ambassador? Because the talks with Syria and Turkey and Russia a couple days from now, who benefits by that not happening and not having a ceasefire? They can keep bombing. Who has bad relations with Turkey? Russia. So now Turkey would have to apologize to Russia for what Russia had instigated in Turkey. I'm not saying the police had any knowledge of. I'm saying it would be a really interesting spin. Nothing is always as clear as it comes out first blush. Interesting, right? Who actually is behind the shooting in Switzerland? Will we ever find that out? And what was the motive there? All these independent cells 
that are coordinated? Is there more to follow? Were they targeted for this day particularly, which is Electoral College Day, or unrelated, just a coincidental fluke? No idea. So now the question is, now the question is, what happens next? What will Obama do? What will his leadership team do? What will John Kerry do, Secretary of State? What will the UN do? What will NATO do? Turkey's a NATO nation. Do you think Putin's going to respond? Or will he retaliate? Different words. One's vocal, one's physical. Is there an action, or are they just words? If action, what do we do? Because we defend NATO allies like it's our own. And that will be for another day. Thank you for listening. This is John Jensen with Fix com. Tune in anytime. Catch me at, at FixNation on Twitter, okay, or FixNation.com website. Thank you very much, and God bless.